You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and I hope wherever you are in the world and whatever you're doing, you are doing very well. You're about to hear from a bloke called Rowan Pank, and he is the frontman of a band out of Sydney called Jack's Band. They are one of the best bands that I've heard in ages come out of Sydney. They have a new EP called Time to Change. We talk all about that, plus heaps of other things. Why don't we cut to the chat with Rowan? Here we go. Rowan, welcome to the show. I've genuinely been enjoying the new EP since Oliver sent it over to me. Sorry, since Lee sent it to me. Gosh, I always get his name mixed up. Sorry there, Lee Oliver. (laughs) The new EP, of course, is called Time to Change. So in a way, I feel like everything old is new again because I'm 39 and the sound that you guys present reminds me a lot of early Sebado, Pavement, Arches of Loaf, Girls Against Boys and Australian acts such as Finiscad and the John Reed Club. So I know there's a lot to take in there, but... My point is, it's, yeah. it's like it's 1995 all over again. And I'm a big fan of that because that's the music of when I was at school and when I was coming through and the music that in a lot of ways is still very near and dear to me. So am I near the mark uh, there and how do you describe the band sound? Oh, look, I've been told that I've got a lot of 90s influences in my music. When I was getting some old stuff mastered, I was asked, do you listen to a lot of Smashing Pumpkins? And honestly, I hadn't listened to a lot of Smashing Pumpkins but I can definitely see the influence there. Um, I think it's just one of those kinds of things where these sounds just are going to keep popping up again and again, regardless of whether the artists are actually influenced by these older bands. Yeah. Like I'm sure a bunch Agreed. of yeah. other bands around at the moment, I would have heard who may have been influenced by these other acts and I've been influenced by the newer bands instead. Yeah. Look, so there's, there's, there's a lot to like about what you're doing is, is my point as well. Um, yeah, the music of that era is, um, it's almost been forgotten in some ways. Um, I don't know why, but it's, I would never describe your music as grunge. It's almost like that pre-grunge when alternative, so-called capital A alternative music, even like um, the Breeders and Sonic Youth, you're from that school. And that music is very endearing. It does cross a lot of cultural boundaries. It crosses over. There's a lot of people that like this stuff is what I'm saying. So I think you've got a sound that can actually live far beyond the life of the band, if you don't mind me saying yeah, no, I guess that all makes sense. You know, mate, you're from Sydney. Now, I rarely interview bands from Sydney, and I have a few theories as to why there isn't a great deal of music coming from the Harbour City. It's I've got a ton of artists that I've had chatted to from Perth, and of course, Melbourne is big in just about every genre, uh, particularly in 2017 and 18. But what's your take on the indie scene in Sydney? Oh, look, there's definitely an indie scene here. Um, from my perspective as a up-and-coming artist, I suppose, I guess a lot of the good good venues have been closing lately. Some of them have been reopening, which is good. Places like the Lansdowne, they've been pretty big. But um, I feel like a lot of the, the really good venues that you want to get shows at, it's the artists that are getting a lot of radio play, already have a lot of fans. They're the ones that are getting good shows. And it's, it's these smaller acts like us that are only just kind of starting out that aren't really being given the chance to book better venues, so mm. it's it's a lot harder to make yourself stand out. I think you bang on, and you've picked up on one of my theories, and that's, of course, the lockout thing that came in. But it's not just that. I just don't know whether... Um, when, when I say culturally, I'm talking about people's people's enthusiasm about going out and watching live acts. I was in a band in Sydney for a number of years called Velveteen. 
So we did a few tours and the like with um, oh, just some bands around town and played with Thirsty Merc. But yeah, you, you bang on. It did seem like you already had to be big in order to be or, or well-known and be a guarantee of pulling a crowd before a publican or a venue or a promoter would book you. But here in Queensland, and dare I say it's the same in Melbourne, I've never lived in Melbourne, but I certainly know it's like this here in Queensland, mate, I'm pretty confident that in the Valley, on any night of the week, you can go in and see a band who's probably only got 50 or 60 likes on their Facebook page, meaning that everybody's given an opportunity. It's a very egalitarian outlook, and I just find it's very hard to get ahead for a band in Sydney. So I guess my next question would be, have you thought about relocating or are your commitments in the day-to-day to the point where really the band is a, is a, a very passionate hobby, if you like? Yeah, at this point, it's it's really just, it's my main hobby. I, I work full-time here, so I don't want to give up that job. Hmm. I like where I live, um, but really I love recording music. And so even if I wasn't getting the gigs that I wanted to get, I would still just be happy writing and recording music at home because I know it's 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 tough for these smaller acts just going around getting gigs. You know, you're not getting paid that well, having to drive around in a van or whatever, sleeping in tiny hotel rooms. Yeah, it's a tough life. And, yeah, God, it's a tough life, that one, you know. Yeah, so, like, I know if I want to get any further in the industry, I'll probably have to put up with that for a bit. But at the moment, my life's pretty cushy. Like, I've got a full-time job. So it's like, do I want to give that up or should I follow my dreams? So at the moment, um, it's it's all a bit in flux, I guess. It's like, yeah, I'll cool. see where the music takes me. That's why I made a comment earlier. And I was only, I was, what I was alluding to was, yeah, I, I get that you've probably got other things going on in life. So the music is just one aspect of it. But, you know, I mean, you've got a bloody good EP here that you'll be proud to show people, and I think in 20 years' time. I mean, I've, the proudest thing that I've got is a live recording uh, of Velveteen when we played it. There was a uh, venue in, on, I think it was in Annandale, I could be wrong, called The Marquee. It used to be the old Rio's, the Brazilian club. This is going okay. back years, mate, like 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah. Um, but um, that's the proudest thing that I've got. But with you, you've actually got a really good recording. Uh, your drummer's phenomenal, by the way. When you're writing material... Are you, are you, have you got the percussion and the drumming in mind, or is that just something that your drummer brings to the table and makes the music sound more complete? So with the EP, uh, I pretty much played everything on the EP. That was all me. So is that you playing drums, with the help. Yeah, so I played all the drums on that. We got a great live drummer, Axel. Uh, our bassist, Nick, is amazing as well. But basically, I recorded most of that with the help of Tom, other guitarist. Yep. And and we mixed all that ourselves, recorded all that ourselves. Well, uh, mate, I've got to compliment you then on the drumming. That's, I mean, assuming oh, thank you. a lot of that is, I mean, I, could, I can hear that's done live, am I correct? And that's not a lot of after-the-fact studio trickery. It's, it's you playing live? Yeah. Now, um, in some older bands, we've played in the studio and, you know, you, you record a bunch of takes and then afterwards the engineers or whoever go and, start messing around with it and perfecting every little thing. I think me and Tom's real uh, work ethic, I suppose, is just get a really good take and then just don't mess with it at all. Just it sounds a bit more live, a bit more raw. It keeps that little that little special touch to it still. Well, mate, you, you really should consider a career after it's all said and done drumming and, and doing percussion because, look, I'm a bass player, so I'm, I know we need to talk about me, but it's just important that I make this yeah. point to you because it's... I've played with a lot of drummers through the years. Most are pretty shitty, to be frank. 
It's very hard for me to do what I do. I'm a fucking disco bass player. I also play, you know, typically played in rock bands because that's really the only outlet that you've got these days. Funk and disco isn't a big thing in Australia. But mm. I can I can tell, man, you've got the groove. You've actually got it. So why... Well, I started out as a drummer. Well, I mean, like, well, that's it then, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. No wonder I could hear it. There was the first thing musically... I try to assess albums from two perspectives, you know, from an artistic perspective, you know, just like a regular average listener, what do they get out of it? But then I also flip, flip, and I basically ignore the lyrics and I start focusing on how the music has been composed and arranged and also the musical performance. I'm very big on listening to the musical performance in an album. So, on an yeah. EP in your case here, mate. But, yeah, I, it does not surprise me to hear that you've done everything because there's a cohesion there that I haven't heard in quite a while. I think the guys up here from Fragile Animals, uh, a Sunshine Coast-based band, completely different band, but they've got a similar cohesion to what you've presented on this album here, on this EP here. Okay. You know? Excellent. So what what inspired you to form the band and create music? Because you've mentioned that you do a lot of writing. So what inspired you to write? Well, uh, I, I was studying music at university, uh, one of the subjects I took was just learning how to use Cubase, the you know the audio recording software. Sure, yeah. I became a, I became obsessed with that, with with the home recording. Finished uni, didn't really have anything to do, so I just started recording stuff at home in the garage. I was doing that for maybe a year or two, and really, I was I was growing up near the mountains out west. All my friends had moved away, so. And the music scene out there, there's a lot more sort of heavier bands, kind of metal bands. The kind of indie scene doesn't really exist out there. Mm -hmm. So it was really once I got a job and moved out into the middle of the city, you know, the inner west. Yep. And I actually had time to start looking for other like-minded musos who wanted to play my music. And that's, I guess, where it's kind of kicked off. And we got around to recording this EP properly, and now we're actually doing shows which is good i like your artwork too who, who handles that i mean it's it's sort of it actually really matches the music that you've got oh thanks that was me as well mate you're a talented bloke jeez you know i mean what do, what do you do for a day job what's the thing that pays the bills oh i work in video editing so you're, you're a creative type in yeah. other words yeah so you're a creative type so yeah you've got yeah. the You've got, dabble, yeah. Well, you've got what I've been talking about with people for a long time, which is that, that you, you've got an aspect of every... You've got it covered in terms of every aspect of putting together an album. So not only are you musical, but you've actually got the production side of things because you've got the Cubase thing, but then you've got the visual side of thing too. things too. Um, and I've been telling people for years, because it's advice that I would have given myself years ago, get involved in all of it, have a hand in all of it. If you, you know, learn to play drums, learn to play guitar better than I do, learn how to sing better than I do, that sort of thing. Um, not not the most naturally gifted um, singer, but just do it anyway. And then when you've done that, move on to something else. Like, figure out all of the different aspects that go into putting together an album and have a hand in it so as though you can actually do it at some point and not just be a member of a band and not have much of a say in the direction of things. Yeah, I've always kind of wanted to be a jack-of-all-trades. You know, I'm clearly not a master of any of them. But like you look at how much it costs to go to a studio, how much it costs to get graphic designers and whatnot, and all these costs add up. So if you can, if you're capable of doing, you know, even half of it yourself, you're saving so much money there. Because being a muso these days is not cheap. Hmm. 
No, it isn't. And that's just the gear alone. You've got to think about rehearsal and, um, you know, members in the band too. That's the other thing. I mean, you know, there's something that's, that's fairly standard in bands is the swapping and changing of members. So have you had to go through that? Therefore, you've had to fork out for extra rehearsals to get the new member of the band up to speed and the like? No, we've been pretty lucky. So the uh, other guitarist, Tom, I've known him for quite a few years. He's from, he's from back out near the mountains as well. He still lives there, so he has to travel pretty far to practice with us. Uh, so, we, yeah, we pretty much handle all the recording and production side of things. Uh, Nick was the first bassist that we saw, and he was excellent, so we want to hang on to him. And Axel was actually the first drummer that we found. And I've got to give a big shout-out to him because even though I play the drums on the recordings, he has basically learnt the recordings spot on, like note for note, which I think is pretty impressive to hear from a, from a drummer. Like, you know, some of them, they'll just come in and just play whatever. It's like if it's the same tempo, they're happy with it. But he's actually gone and learned exactly what I've put down on a recording. That is impressive. Yeah, no, shout out to Axel for that one there because um, I can't tell you how frustrating it is as a musician to learn a part where you absolutely rely on the drums doing what they're doing on a recording and then you can't do what you're doing as a bass player because the drums aren't in sync with what the actual original material was. So, yeah, well done to him mm. for doing that and also for bloody driving in because I take it you guys are rehearsing at Troy Horse or somewhere like that. Um, so he drives in from out Penrith way, does he? Uh, well, Tom works in the city as well. He catches the train. Axel and uh, Nick both both live out here near the city. Oh, okay. Gotcha. We're pretty fortunate. Oh, yeah. Axel, um, Axel studies music out here, so we get to book rehearsal rooms just around the corner for free, which is nice. Another cost-cutting. Another perk right there. Yep, nice. So who did, who did you choose to record the EP with? If you didn't do it yourself, did you take it to a, did you get a producer in or an engineer that really knew their way around um, the Pro Tools or whatever application that you decided to use? No, no, it was it was really just me and Tom that recorded it ourselves. We just re- recorded it mostly at my place, some of it at his place. A few of the tracks were still like the old demos of songs that I had from a while ago, and so we kept you know some of the same guitar tracks and just updated the bass and the vocals. So yeah, again, that was just all us. Yeah, and and the lyrical themes. Are you are you doing the Mike Patton where I haven't listened to the lyrics to be honest with you uh, intimately, but are you doing the Mike Patton where you're just thinking about whatever comes to mind, spaghetti sauce or what have you, um, or are there, is there an actual lyrical theme through some of the songs? Oh look, I I hate writing lyrics as I'm sure <laughs> a lot of lyricists do. It's it's my least favorite part. I leave it to the end. I think a lot of the time I will just make up the words and then just spend weeks and weeks going over each syllable to have a line that means something and that sounds nice and is, you know, easy enough to sing. Um, so I think there's kind of a sort of cohesive theme. It's it's mostly this kind of late teens, early 20s sort of angst <laughs> that a lot of young bands are singing about i suppose but i think it's it's got a bit of a, a darker twist to some of it like, like songs about drink drink driving and things like that oh really what's that oh drive through i take it is that one drive through yeah yeah okay what's um jungle canyon rope bridge about oh jungle canyon that is pretty much just about being depressed all right but the name of it comes from a um 
there was a stand-up comedy routine by a, a British comedian that I saw once, and he's just talking about the Jungle Canyon rope bridges that you always see in, like, Scooby-Doo cartoons and how they're always all decayed and fraying, <laughs> and, you know, they'll break at any moment. So it's an, it's an incredibly roundabout way of, of saying, you know, oh, at any moment, this whole thing's just going to fall apart. I guess mm. that's probably how I felt at yeah, that okay. moment of my life. This, this could all fall apart at any moment. Well, you've got a good song out of it, at least. You've got to look at it that way, I Thanks. think. You know. <laughs> you know, and of course, yeah. the, lead, the lead single is Sharks. So I think you've been played on Triple J with that, haven't you? We got a review on Triple J on Earth, definitely. I'm not sure if we've been played yet. What do you have but to I've do? I've seen a bunch of... Sorry, you go, mate. I was saying, we've seen a bunch of smaller community stations picking it up, which is pretty good. Like all these stations I've never heard of before. Well, yeah, we're behind so it's it. It's nice to know that it's getting out there. Four Triple Z's behind it, you know, which is um, the, the largest community radio station here in Queensland. We broadcast through Brisbane. And, of course, you've got it, we've got the app and anybody can listen to it anywhere in the world, really. So it's, it's on terrestrial radio through Brisbane, but you can get it anywhere in the world like you can with most radio stations these days. But I've always wanted to... No, I think I understand the process, but I like asking the question, how do you get a tune on Triple J? Do you know how, to, how it's done? I have no idea. <laughs> I have, in the past, so my very first song that I uploaded back in 2014 was basically just a demo, and they played that on Unearth, the digital station. And, and you know, that's just a demo. I recorded it in, you know, like a day. It sounds terrible. I've updated it since then. But then we'll, we'll go to the real effort and record a song like Sharks that we put in a lot of work into. We'll get it properly mastered. And then Triple J just don't really seem to care. I, I'm not quite sure how it works. There must be a science to it or something. I think they're just having the right contact. The right contacts. It just comes down to management, I think. I think, I think that's really all it comes yeah. down to. It depends on the message Triple J is trying to promote at the time, with all due respect. I think they do that a bit. Um, and it also comes down to who, who your management is or who your agent is at the time. Um, you know, yeah. I think, I think, but I think you guys have got a, a really good niche in that, you know, it's, and you've got to describe it that way because not everything works on Triple J, but if the community radio stations are picking you up, that's going to give you a... I reckon that's going to give you a a following that's going to last a lot longer than the Triple J Brigade. Yeah, I hope so. Well, I, I just think, sorry, you go, mate. Just, sorry, just seeing how big Triple J is, you mm. see how big Triple J is, and and everyone wants to be on Triple J, but you know, not everyone's going to be. And even if I'm never played on Triple J, it's it's at least great to know that a bunch of people around the country have heard my music. If I'd have just put it on, on Unearthed and then done nothing with it and they never touched it, it wouldn't have gotten out there. No one else would have heard it. Hmm. Yeah, okay. It's a good perspective on things. Yeah, I, look, I, I, I'm fairly one-eyed about these things and, that, of course, I am on host a show on, on 4ZZZ. We pride ourselves on giving new artists and artists that are on the edge uh, an opportunity. And really, I, I think from that, you're hearing fresher sounds. Now, if I compare... God help me for saying this, you know, because I know I'm comparing our station to Triple J, but Christ Almighty, yeah. the the Hot 100 that we have, which which we originally did way back in the 80s, that's from us. Triple J picked that up and basically appropriated it, really. Um, okay. So right. 
if you listen to ours, the top ten has they're genuine indie sounds. But if you listen to the top ten in Triple J on there, I think they call it something different these days, don't they? It's not called the hottest one hundred anymore. It's called end of year one hundred or what have you. I don't know. I could be wrong. I don't. You can tell oh, I don't it's tune. Still hottest one hundred. So you can tell I don't tune in. But I did have a look at the top ten, and it, a lot of it was hip hop, and a lot of it was so-called urban music, and it really wasn't that indie flavour. So. Yeah, no, Triple J is very much getting into the, the hip-hop, the, the electronic artist. Indie is just making up a small percentage of it now. Yeah, indie, metal and rock, I tend to group all three together because you typically get, you know, the metal fans eventually become indie fans or the indie fans eventually start to adopt some metal into their life, I've noticed. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. Triple J, really, I, I, I noticed that in their, their hot Hottest 100, there was not a single what I'd classify as, as a traditional rock or metal band I don't think that made the top 100. You know that? And I thought probably that was the, very interesting. Probably the biggest band in that regard uh, the past year was someone like Gang of Youth. Now, they were huge. They had a lot of songs in there. But uh-huh. then that's the only real band. Okay, so there was one There's rock lot- band that yeah. made the, the top 100. At least. I think they had three songs in the top ten. So they okay. did really well. But then you look at the rest of the list and there's just the other genres are just so much more varied. Yeah, yeah. I guess the whole point of our exchange here is to say that it's indie is no longer the flavour at Triple J. So you've really got to rely no. on, on um, independent and more specifically community radio to get your sound out over the internet and terrestrial radio. Yeah, I'd say so. It's not it's not a bad deal. Yeah. It's not a bad deal. I think particularly touring and the like. So I'll ask you this question. Have you got plans to come up here anytime soon? Uh, no plans yet. We have a, our EP launch happening in Sydney in a few weeks, but uh, we'll see how that goes. And then potentially I think we'd be keen on doing a, a small tour, you know, uh, Brisbane maybe, Canberra, Wollongong, just down, down the down the the, uh, the coast, I guess. Well, if you look that up... That would be something I'd like to do. Look up the band Fragile Animals from Sunshine Coast. I reckon you guys would be a bloody awesome double bill. You okay. Know, very different type of music, but there's some synchronicity there. They're good guys too, by the way. Um, and uh, I really like their, the EP that they released last year. Sorry, I can't remember the name of it. But, um, you know, you listen to things in the car, you know, and you've, you don't even know the name of the songs after a period of time because it just comes through the stair, the speaker and you're too busy keeping on the road or focusing on whatever else because we don't look at CDs yeah. anymore because we don't buy them. So, But, yeah, I mean, look, I always look at what bands could team up with other bands and put in a successful show. And it's so important, I suppose, isn't it, isn't it to be on a bill that's appropriate for the band, for you guys? Um, because, you know, sometimes you go to some gigs and... It's like, God, who put this together? And a lot of the time it's just because they were the bands that were available to play that night. And sometimes you suffer through one band yeah. with your respect because it's not your thing to wait for another band. But by that stage, especially if you're a, like me, 39, 39 years of age and a working bloke with two kids and a wife, it can be very hard yeah. to stay awake and stick around for the band that you really want to see. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I think we're lucky in Sydney that there are a lot of these indie bands that... Uh, you can you can get to do shows with you, but then again, they're, they're in the same boat that we're in, and that none of us are really picking up any any airplay or, or gaining that many new fans. It's, hmm. We've 
kind of created our own little scene that doesn't seem to be going anywhere. So yeah. I think it'd be great if at some point indie does come back in because you've already got that that group of great musicians there that's just instantly ready to to go. Yeah. Yeah. No. Agreed. Agreed, mate. So look, thus concludes the interview. Is there, or in terms of for the listeners' benefit? How can they get in touch with you? Obviously, you've got Facebook, but how else can they interact and engage with the band? So, yeah, we've got Facebook. Uh, what's our, our little URL thing? Facebook.com slash It's Jack's Band. We're on SoundCloud. Also, It's Jack's Band. We're on Bandcamp. Our two singles, Drive Through and Sharks, are on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Play, all the streaming services. The EP comes out on the 23rd of February, Time to Change. Uh, you can email us if you want, jack at jacks.band. There's no .com there, the .band is the email extension. In other words, there's plenty of ways yeah. that the listener can get in touch and engage with you, not just listen to your music. Exactly, yeah. yeah and I do implore the listener to do that. You're a fantastic band. You know, you're a bloody good band. Um, you know, for all of the reasons that I mentioned through the discussion, it's I love the musicianship that you've brought to the table here, mate. So God bless you for doing that, and uh, all the very best of luck as you promote the album. And um, I really hope you you keep on doing what you're doing for a long time to come, because I'll certainly looking be looking out for future releases. Great, thanks so much. Thanks for your support. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and that was my conversation with Rowan Pank, who is the frontman for a band from Sydney called Jack's Band. Thank you so much for listening.